Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 288 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I had a wonderful conversation with LA-based photographer, Martin Gonzalez. We discussed his attraction to smaller scenes, why he makes photos, how he balances his full-time job with photography, anxiety in photography, and so much more. So sit down with a beer, coffee, tea, wine, whatever, and enjoy the chat. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you for your help one more time. I just switched podcast platforms and I'm using a very expensive new editing program to create the podcast episodes, so your support on Patreon is needed now more than ever. So if you enjoy the show, get any value out of it, I really just hope you can help out. Anything more than zero is okay. I purposely don't take ad money and I want to keep the podcast as simple as possible as to not ruin each episode with ads and breaks. That's so annoying. If you can help out, it would be great. Just go to patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen or find a link in the show notes. Thanks. Okay, let's get to this week's episode with Martin Gonzalez. Right, Martin Gonzalez, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. It's an honor to be on here for sure. I've listened to a lot of my favorite photographers on here beforehand, so really, it's something to be on here. Cool. Yeah, no worries. I I like to think of this as a platform of discovery for people to learn about new artists that they might have never heard of before, and I certainly feel like your work is top-notch, so I think you're a well-deserving guest. Cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I think our buddy Alberto recommended you not too long ago as well. That is right. Me and him are pretty good friends now. We met back in college and uh, since us connecting through photography, it's been pretty nice to have someone to shoot with on my trips out. So it's been good. I'm glad he recommended me. What a good guy. You'll, Great work too. You'll pay him off later. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. He's got his Venmo request going pretty yeah. soon. well awesome and i see you're drinking a nice hazy i'm drinking a belgian quad myself oh man before the show you're telling me what the sweet percentage was on that and that's a good one 10 percent. that's no joke yeah that's just how it is man (laughs) so for people that aren't familiar with you and your photography would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah, sure. I'm Martin Gonzalez. I'm based out of Los Angeles. I'm a landscape photographer that shoots like primarily small scenes, intimates, details. Currently, I live in an apartment with my girlfriend, my cat named Bao. So Bao after like Bao Buns and my dog named Luke, named after Luke Skywalker. Well, of course. And, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> we used to have a dog who is like really furry and we would call him Choo Chewy after Chewbacca, but He passed away, unfortunately. Rest in peace. But also, I'm an accountant. I do a bunch of fun number crunching things as a career full time. But yeah, otherwise, I've been shooting for eight years, more seriously for five to six years in terms of like actually putting out focused work. And for the most part, I shoot out in Death Valley and Zion pretty regularly. So I'll be out there at least four times to five times a year at maybe each respective spot. But really, it just depends on the year just because schedules are rough and I have a full-time career. So if the stars align, then I'll be out there. 
Nice. But, uh, yeah, that, that is me. Do you find it to be difficult to get enough time out in the field as, with a full-time job? Yes and no. So for my job in specific, I'm currently at a pretty good accounting role in a REIT, which is a real invest real estate investment trust. And they have a pretty lenient PTO schedule and our holidays are pretty nice as well. So I find it that I'm out mostly like on holiday weekends and then I'll extend it with a day or two of like PTO. So it makes it pretty easy in that regard, but I'm not out as much as I'd want to be just because I'd want to be out at least in those parks, maybe more than once in a month. But for now it's reserved to the seasons where it's pretty nice to shoot like fall for Zion or winter for Zion even. And then for Death Valley, I'm out there for winter and like January through March pretty often. In those periods, unfortunately, like I'm an accountant. So year end is pretty crazy for us and uh, trying to get out with (laughs) being in year end schedules and making sure our financials are good to go. It's pretty tough. It's a tough balance, but I make it work, which I'm pretty happy about. So you'll prepare any of our listeners' taxes for them? Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that's not what the listeners get from this, because I think that's a big misconception about accountants, because not all accountants handle tax-related stuff, where I handle more so just like our expenses, income, financials kind of deal. But no, Martin Gonzalez LLP is not open for business in tax season. Sorry. Excellent. I'm glad we could get that out of the way right up front. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I also have a full-time job and what I've found about having limited time to get out is that it's it's bittersweet, right? Because you wish you could get out more, but when you are able to get out, if I feel like it's that it's just that much more special. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. That's exactly what I was thinking actually as you were talking. I was gonna say that it's just feels that much more unique and like the time you spend out there, it just has that extra sweetness to it. Just because I know like in a week from now, let's say in my theoretical trip, I'm going to be back sitting in my chair at the office or working from home or whatever. But I do find myself feeling a lot more re-energized after trips, like when I'm coming back to work, which is a bit strange because it's not like I'm going back to work on my passion. Like accounting isn't my passion. I'll put that out there. It's just my career. But I do feel a lot better and like more motivated to do well in my job. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But totally. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being out there and like, all right, like that was great. Now I'm going to go back. I'm going to do good at work. And I don't know something about it. Just it feels like a new start for me every time. Yeah, I feel the same way. For me, it's like I'll build up this. I don't think resentment's the right word, but just stress from work. And it's like, oh my gosh. I can't do this anymore. And then I go on a trip and I come back and I'm like, oh, I love this job because it gives me so much time off to go be able to do this. And so it's, it's, it's it's a constant seesaw. Definitely. I agree. I'll be working late at night sometimes and I'll be like, man, this is not really the move. But once that new (laughs) PTO comes in and I'm out where I want to be, like, I'm always a little bit thankful of, okay, I have the means in order to actually get out here, I have the time because time is super precious. And even asking for PTO for some other folk might not be the best. It might not be the best use of PTO for them. For me, it's really nice that I could do that. Yeah. So if someone with, that has limited time in the field, do you ever feel that pressure to produce or to want to, quote unquote, make the best out of your trips or feel compelled to I don't know, salvage a trip 
based on <laughs> like bad weather or does those, yeah, do those yeah. kind of things ever pop into your head? Early on, I'd say that those were the things I was really thinking about, which I think created a very negative view of my photography. And I'm talking like my first, second, third year of yep. shooting. I had those ideas of, oh man, I only have X amount of time. I have to come away with something or else I won't be happy with the results and like it all be for nothing, which I think was a pretty bad way to start off in shooting nature and landscape photography. But something that really set me on my course was when I did a workshop with TJ Thorne and Eric Bennett. And this was back in 2019, I believe. And they prescribed this method in which you're just essentially being a surveyor of what the light is doing and just thinking about the lights over here, like where exactly is it hitting? What is interesting to you that's interacting with the light and just play with that. And I think that opens up so much like avenues for you to photograph. So my trips slowly became more so like nature walks where I'd be walking among areas that I'm pretty familiar with and just being receptive of what nature is showing me. When I go to Zion, I never really have an idea of what I'm going to be shooting. I'll just be heading out there and taking the name, the same normal hikes that I normally do and just having an open eye and just really understand what the light is doing and what type of scenes are going to be available for me with the light. And I think that has really propelled me to create work that I would have never been able to create like early on. And yeah, that's really the only way I shoot. I don't have any agenda or planner of what I'm going to be shooting when I do plan out these trips. So zero expectations. And usually I come away with one to three images on a trip, let's say a three day, four day trip. And I think that's great because there are three images that I'm really happy with or really keen on and that really resonated with me at that point in time. And yeah, so that's been working out pretty well for me, shooting in that manner rather than having the expectations involved early on. Yeah, I feel like we we must have taken a similar path because that's everything you just said resonates with me quite a lot. And I feel like I do what you're describing, but with a slight twist, like I try to identify areas that I want to go to and maybe a trail that I want to explore that I maybe, and I'm really, I really enjoyed going to places I've never been before. Like for example, back in January, I went to Death Valley for the first time and I probably had 30 or 40 places I wanted to go check yeah. out. I think I made it to like five or six of those. So it was, I had, I didn't really pre-plan any of the photos. It was more just, I'm going to walk around in this area and see what happens and it's super yeah, fun. It's it sometimes is. you come away with nothing really that spectacular, but it's I find even those moments are still very enjoyable, especially if you're doing it with a really good friend of yours or something and you're having a good time mm -hmm. in the process. I don't know if you're usually shooting alone or if you're with a friend or either, but I find that can make it even more fun and enjoyable. I agree. So I shoot like a mixed. Normally I'll be shooting alone, but with Alberto being my one of my new friends where I actually go out and shoot with him. It's just nice to have that company and talking about all things. It doesn't even have to be about nature photography. That just makes it so much more enjoyable. But when I am solo, um, it's those small surprises of like maybe some rocks doing something very interesting or light interacting with a plant in a different way that really make that experience a lot better for me where it's those little surprises that really do it for me. That's, I think, a good way to put it. It's like the small surprises that really make the trip for me at some points. Because I can fondly remember when I did stumble upon that scene, whatever was happening at that point in time, which is nice. 
Yeah, absolutely. We haven't even gotten into any of my questions yet that I've written down, but <laughs> I did, and that's totally cool, but I did have one more. Yeah, sure. Speaking of the fact that you tend to be more gravitated towards smaller scenes and intimate scenes, and I think you've seen some of the chatter on Discord about this, that some people yeah. like Nick Page think it's, it's a fad or people are, it's like fashion, people are gravitating towards it right now, but then they'll <laughs> go back to grand landscapes and uh, and then you also if you i hear people saying things like oh people only shoot small scenes because they don't know how to compose a grand scenic photo or they don't sure. know how to use photoshop i've, I've heard lots of people <laughs> say things like that and i'm just curious yeah, yeah. for you like what's your take on your draw to those types of images and why you continue to be attracted to them yeah so i think that whole debate too is it's so funny. There always has to be something that's pitted against something. It's if you're I not know. shooting Sony, you're shooting I'm, Canon or right. digital I'm, versus mirrorless. Like it's okay to <laughs> both. <laughs> exactly. So for me personally, I totally respect like the wide angle scenes. And I think what people produce in the wide angle scenes, even Mark Adamant, he has his things and he's amazing. Like I'll see his work and I totally enjoy it. But for me personally, when I'm out and I'm shooting, I don't quite look for that. I look for the things that really strike me. And for the most part, what ends up striking with like something in my heartstrings or whatever, it's going to be something small. It's going to be details. It's going to be a little vignette of the larger grand grand landscape. And I personally think when you shoot scenes like that, it has more room for removing of the literal. And when you remove the literal, I think that's when you the photographer themselves can really impose like their views on the world and how they see onto the scene itself. Because as soon as you go a lot wider, you're going to see more literal objects. You're going to see trees and you're going to see things that have to go like along the horizon. Once you include a lot more, it's a lot harder to, in my opinion, create a little bit more of an abstract and, uh, I don't want to say creative because that would start a lot of, I don't want anyone to think I'm not saying why landscapes aren't creative, but I guess I'm just trying to say that as soon as you start to remove a lot of the literal items that are surrounding whatever scene you're shooting, that's when really the photographer can play with how they want to show that thing to the viewer, because that could leave a lot of room for a lot of abstract, I guess, compositions, and also really leaving a lot of mystery for the viewer to question what's going on in the scene that they're looking at. So that's personally my view on that. Like I said, I like both sides. I totally love all forms of art. It's all good. As long as you're doing it in a nice manner and you're not being mean about it, then it's all go for there. So you're not doing it just because it's popular right now? <laughs> exactly. Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, that's an inter interesting take that's going on right now. I do see it. It's a lot. It's pretty prevalent on social media right now. But I think it's fun that people are enjoying themselves with the smaller scenes. For me, when I'm out and I find those little details or just small little vignettes in the landscape, I really feel like I'm drawn into it and hitting some form of a flow or something like that. And yeah, the time slips away. I'm, I think when it's like more of an epic scene, there's a little bit more of a rush that you feel and more, oh man, I got to get this shot. Let me whip out the tripod and get all that going. And it feels more like adrenaline's coursing through your veins, whereas the other scenes, your heart's like at the resting rate, you're composing, you're really fine tuning your composition. So I think there's two distinct settings 
that I could tailor those two types of photography or landscape photography. So yeah, that is my take. It's not the end all be all, but that's how Martin Gonzalez sees it. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel the same way. I like to do both. And pretty much for what you did, how, for the reasons you just described the, I love that rush of excitement when you're mm-hmm. at a destination, you have been wanting to get a good photo from for a long time and everything comes together and it's just, yes, you know, that, oh, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. It's a different feeling. It's a different experience, but it's also an awesome experience when you walking through the forest and you come up on this tiny little scene of a, like a mm-hmm. bunch of ferns and leaves and they all converging in a like interesting way that's has yeah. organized chaos. And you're just like, Whoa, I have to make mm-hmm. sense of this. And it's, they're both awesome. <laughs> sure. Yeah. They're both awesome in their own respect. And I think even like in forest scenes, when the sun's setting down and it's, it's coming down on the horizon, it's going to set even earlier because you're probably deep in like forest canopy. Like I've felt that same feeling where the sun's setting and I have to rush to figure out a composition. And I enjoyed it. Like I have a couple photos from within forests where I was scrambling around and I thought that was a good time. Like at the end of it, I was like, man, I'm like sweating now. <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's different feelings, but they're both awesome. Yeah, you know, I think for photographers, create what you want to create. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, no, just be willing to defend it and sure. oh, do yeah. it for the reasons yeah. that are important to you, not because it's popular. Or, well, exactly. I guess that's a, some people might think that's an okay reason, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, true. That is true. <clears throat> not to go down this rabbit hole, but one of the other things that I appreciate about smaller scenes that people might be surprised to hear is that I think there's a little bit more room for some creative editing in terms of like when you look at certain small scenes, like you don't necessarily expect it to represent what you saw. Whereas if you have a grand scenic shot and you've pasted in 40 lightning bolts and there's a (laughs) rainbow and people start to question it a little bit more. Whereas like a smaller scene, I think you can get away with a little bit more and People don't necessarily expect it to represent reality as much. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting way to look at it from the viewer side, too. Because I guess when I'm making those smaller scenes and the detail photos, I never really thought of the viewer. But for me personally, I know I really mess with like images that don't have anything literal in them and have any way or reason with them. I'll flip them horizontally. I'll do whatever I want with them because I want them to look like how I wanted it to look and like for me, honestly, when I'm looking at the smaller scenes and I know like I can stretch the bounds of the image, I feel like at that point, like whatever I'm shooting out in the field is more so, I don't want to say raw material, but it's something that I got and I can play with back at home and really like touch that like creative side of myself where I can't really do that with what you're describing, something that's wide or whatnot. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. We finally got into my first question, which is probably one of my favorite questions to ask other people. And that really it's simple. Yeah. Why do you create nature and landscape photographs? Yep, yep, sure. So for me personally, it's like a handful of reasons as to why I shoot nature photography. Early on in receiving even a camera, I was taking photos of absolutely everything under the sun. I think that's like the most natural progression when you first receive a camera. I was given a gifted a camera from my parents early, early on in end of college. But so since... I've received a camera. I've now grown into shooting nature and uh, landscapes and whatnot. But the reasons as to why I shoot it, it's for number one, it's a creative outlet. 
Like I'm an accountant. I really can't flex that creative muscle of my brain being an accountant. And I think that really scratches that itch when I'm out there. The other reason is we all love nature. I think that's like a given. But I, would, I think when you you're think, out... You would think. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is true. I personally think when you're out hiking with a camera, it almost enhances the experience. I'm not saying like nature needs to be enhanced. But for me personally, when I'm hiking with the camera in tow, it allows me to be a little bit more present rather than in my mind and mulling on any thoughts or problems that I'm currently going through. Like it allows me just to be there and present and really consider the landscape in front of. So that's one aspect that I really actually enjoy about landscape photography because it really like stops everything else that's happening in the world. Even like I no longer consider what's going on everywhere, which could be bad. But for me personally, I like that. I like how it brings me to the present time. And then the last thing, and I think the most important thing is that it just makes me happy. (laughs) At the very core of landscape photography, it brings me so much joy that I can do these things and be in these beautiful places. And especially the places that I like to travel to pretty regularly, the Valley and Zion. Yeah, it just, it really fills my heart. And I never leave a trip thinking that was such a waste of time. And I've been going to these places over and over again, and I can't possibly fathom myself getting tired of it anytime soon. So yeah, I think that's, that's the three things. If I was to sum it up. (laughs) I love it. It's, I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of it enhancing your experience in nature, because how many times have you heard people say, Oh, just put the camera down and take it in and really experience the sunset or whatever. And (laughs) I think it's actually two different types of experiences, really. Yeah. When you don't have the camera to mess around with, yes, you can experience a moment probably more holistically than you can. However, I think to your point, when you are photographing it, you're much more engaged with it and understanding it, Mm -hmm. covering it in a completely different way. And there's actually been psychological research that's been done on this, actually, that, uh, that has proven that when people try to make a fine art photograph of a mm-hmm. of a moment of a scene they have much better recollection of that moment than someone who did not well yeah i could see that being really valid just for my own <laughs> instances but i wanted to bring up so i think eric bennett's latest book what is it conversations with nature yeah. i think it sums it up so perfectly like when i saw the title of that book i was like oh man that really sums up how I feel when I'm out there. Like it, I think it is. It's you're. It's not a give and take because I don't know if nature's really <laughs> taking anything from you. But for me personally, like as you're interacting with your subject and really moving around it and understanding it and seeing how light interacts with it, I think it is somewhat of a conversation. Yeah, just wanted to add that bit in. Yeah, I love it. Let's get a little bit more personal. Sure. Yeah. So I understand that you have a medical condition called uh, thoracic outlet syndrome first Mm -hmm. of all if you could tell us what that is and then after that if you could tell us about how that's impacted your life and your approach to making photographs yep yep so the fact that we even know like i have thoracic outlet syndrome is a thing in its own because it wasn't until 2021 late 2021 that i actually knew what was going on with my body what thoracic outlet syndrome is it's a compression of either nerves or the blood in your lower neck 
And it's due to your clavicle and your first rib impeding on that blood. So back in 2018, I was feeling a little bit weird in my left arm. And I also had this painful breathing. So I would breathe in and and I would feel like this really nasty feeling in my back. And I was at work at this point in time at my prior company. So you know, you Google those symptoms, like your left arm feeling strange and your back, yeah. heart attack. Hook or heart attack. Exactly. Yeah. And you're so, like, great. Awesome. Exactly. So <laughs> to say the least, I was freaking out at this point in time while I was at work. So I immediately left. I had to go to the emergency room and all this good stuff. But since from 2018 till 2021, mid 2021, we had absolutely no idea what was going on, like with me and my body. And that idea of you not knowing what is wrong with your body, I think can really put a damper on literally everything. Like I would wake up and not want to eat because, you know, you start Googling things and you start to diagnose yourself with cancer and all of this, all of these crazy sicknesses that you're probably, you probably don't have. But for me personally, I couldn't get over that. So I started developing like a hypochondriac kind of like mental as well, where I was really sensitive with what was happening to my body. So from 2018 to 2021, I was a mess, like in totally a mess. So what I did notice is if I went out on these trips to nature and I was just shooting, that was like my safe zone where I wasn't thinking about what's going on with my body and, you know, what my future looks like. Like any of those negative thoughts were just completely erased because I was then dragged to the present and I was able to shoot the beautiful things that I wanted to shoot. So really landscape photography really helped me out of getting out of that. But yeah, it's been a journey since like, I've just found out what it is. And if it turns out that usually people only have it like on one side, but I have it on both sides. So (laughs) it's, it's pretty crazy. I don't know if you watch basketball at all, but Brandon Ingram from the Lakers or used to be from the Lakers had it. And that's honestly how I figured out on my own that I have that because I was following what he was doing. And when he had to leave the NBA for a bit, I was like, wait a minute, what he's, what he's going through sounds similar to what I'm going through. Um, So I actually brought that up to my doctor and we did the tests similar to what Brendan Ingram did. And it turns out I was right. So (laughs) for people out there, trust your gut, do your own research, but yeah, I'm happy. I know what it is now because Now at least we can figure out a way to alleviate it and manage it. That's my TOC story. (laughs) So it doesn't, it sounds like it doesn't necessarily negatively impact your ability to be in the field. But when you are in the field, it basically is one of the places that you find the most solace. Definitely. from, From it. That's what it is. Not so more, not so much anymore. Like I really don't, I still think about it. And, but now... I know that there is a way to to fix it. So I'm very at peace with the diagnosis. And yes, beforehand, it was just not good. I remember at one point, I tried to treat it with like meditation and or not treat it specifically, calm my nerves a bit. And I was trying to meditate and I couldn't stay still. My hands were trembling. My body was shaking. It was a really bad time. But uh, yeah, I've always felt a little strange talking like or at least thinking about talking about this because I never want to be oh that's that one like thoracic outlet syndrome photographer just because I don't want that to define me but it is a big part of what happened to me and I've been struggling with that for at least what is this I'm I'm gonna count and I should know 
four years now. It's, it's been a large part of my 20s, and it's defined the person I am today. I'm curious if the way that it's impacted you has ever shown up in your photographs in terms of like you using photography to either kind of process how that's made you feel or if some of the emotions that it causes you to feel have shown up in your images. Is there any anything like that? So I've tried to look back at my portfolio. So when I was listening to, oh man, Andrew Barufi's podcast episode, and he mentioned how he used photography for what he was dealing with, like it got me thinking to maybe look back and reflect at my portfolio and see maybe if that translated to my photographs. But I really couldn't find any defining thread that was being pulled through there. But what I do know is that photography and landscape photography being out in nature that was like my safe space. So it never really crossed my mind. So I don't know if subconsciously something was going on there, but yeah, I don't really think so, to be honest. No, it's, that's cool. It's just interesting because I'm, I'm always hearing some photographers talk about how they might be going through an emotional situation or yeah. maybe they had bad news or maybe someone important in their life passed away or whatever. And Sure. And it shows up somehow in their work. And I know, I'm, and I've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before, but 99% of the time when I'm in nature, I'm just super happy and yeah. I'm excited to be there. <laughs> and maybe that's why I'm gravitated towards bright colors and shiny sure. objects. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think I know there's definitely truth to the fact that it can come through in your work, but I very rarely have heard people be able to articulate it concretely. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. If anything, the ideas of mortality were more present in my mind. And maybe I like gravitated towards trees that had no life on them, like trees okay. in the fall or something like that. Because I've definitely been out on the field and went, oh man, that tree looks sweet, but it's like this barren tree that's just like all craggly and has no leaves. And it's like, hmm, why is that? <laughs> but <laughs> Why um, does that look cool? Because that's actually yeah. <laughs> really dark. Exactly. But yeah, what would be cool, I think, is later on in my life to look at all of my images over the course of my life and maybe on the same token put aside like maybe events that happened yeah. along with when I took those images just to see if there is anything that can pop up in my work but yeah. not anything just yet yeah yeah shifting gears a little bit not a little bit a lot I understand that, <laughs> that both of your parents immigrated to the United States from Mexico and yeah. I'm curious what role did growing up as a second generation immigrant play on your upbringing and your approach to life and photography? Yeah, my mom and dad, they're both from Mexico, from the state of Jalisco. My mom is from Ameca, which is a city in Jalisco. And my dad is from San Juan de los Lagos, which is also a city in Jalisco. And they both came over here at an early age. And they really had not the greatest upbringing just because of their situation where they had to make it out here in Southern California. What they did is they just put their head down and worked as hard as they could. And what's crazy is I never really saw the hardships that they went through because at the point in time when I grew up and I was conscious and understanding like, oh, here's some toys that I was given from my parents. Like nothing was wrong at that point in time, but it wasn't until a lot later when I started to hear kind of the hardships that they went through where it was like, whoa, like I never even knew that you guys were going through this. And so 
for me, like that idea of them being an immigrant, it really didn't hit me until much later in life. And it just really put things into perspective in terms of I can actually get in my car, drive over to Death Valley and take photos of mud and rocks. While my parents at this point in their lives were like working as hard as they can to provide sustenance and sustaining their two kids, my brother and I. So I think that really makes me feel a certain gratitude towards life and also to my parents, of course, because they've given me everything. Yeah, it really just reframes how I should view my life and how I should spend my time when with the free time that I am afforded. Because for them personally, I don't think they ever really had time to think about, oh, maybe I should pick up a paintbrush or Maybe I should start music or something or be a DJ. I don't know if they had that ability to think about doing those things until much later in their life now that they're more established. So yeah, if there's one one thing that I really took away from it, it's having that gratitude and knowing how lucky I am that I can even go out and shoot and actually afford workshops and afford critiques and video tutorials for shooting mud and shooting rocks. I think it's, I've come a long way from what they were doing at my point in life. Like I'm 29 years old. And for them, they had both me and my brother, both of them had him, had me at 21. They were young. It was, it was pretty tough for them, but they're doing great now, which is awesome. And I just have this very big respect for them. And I want to lead my life in their name and do as much as I can, do as much good as I can, because they really set me and my brother up for success, which is nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit more about how that perspective on your relationship with money and time and how, from your perspective, how lucky you are to have so much more of both than your yeah. parents did? Like, how has that translated in terms of your, the way you think about photography? Yeah, since they both know, I'm pretty passionate about landscape photography, and they've given me a lot of support to do what I want to do. I think they're like, this is what you want to do. Go ahead, go for it. But as long as you're doing well in your job and your career, go for it. And because of that, I feel like it's really opened up like this avenue for me to pursue as much as I can in landscape photography. Because there's a lot that you can do in terms of like education, in terms of trips, not everything can be done because I'm in downtown LA. There's not really nature within walking distance of me. I have to drive to pretty far locations in order to actually shoot. The fact that like I have their support, it's really allowed me to throw myself into this and produce the work that makes me most happiest and hopefully make work that other people also can really resonate with as well. I love that. Along those same lines, as we both know all too well, photography can be incredibly expensive. How, how have you <laughs> been able to balance your desires to make images with the demands of daily life and living in downtown LA and having a life that's more than just photography? Yeah, so... This all goes back again to my parents and them setting me up for success because they were there to push me through school. And then once I got into a college, they were there to support me. Then they weren't a family that like pushes out their kid when they're 21. They're like, you, know, you spend as much time as you need here. And because of that, it's gotten me a job that can afford me this lifestyle. Like my uh, being an accountant early on when I first chose it as my career wasn't exactly my first choice. It was something I it didn't sound quote unquote sexy. But now in, in retrospect, it's been amazing. Like it's afforded me everything. I can live a nice lifestyle with my girlfriend and my pets. And I can actually take these trips and take on that greater education in landscape photography. 
And I can also still save money as well and invest and lead the life that I can the best I can. So really, it's all owed to them because they really put me in this position to to strive. So now I don't exactly feel bad like I'm spending money on this types of things early on in my life because I'm still good to go on all the other aspects and facets, which is really freeing. <laughs> like I can shoot what I want and do what I want in photography. And that feels really nice. And I know I'm really lucky that I can do that. Yeah, along those same lines, I'm curious to hear you talk about why you're not interested in becoming a full-time photographer. Yeah, to me personally, if I were to go down the route of being a landscape photographer in my current point in time, where I have a really good job that has these great benefits and also allows me to take time off when I need to. The like accountant brain in me wants to go, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how would you possibly be able to finance your current lifestyle by going full time? And as much as I'd want to, like currently, I just don't think it's feasible, but that's okay because I've accepted it. But it still doesn't rule out the fact that maybe it could happen in the future when I'm much more older and established and hopefully have more of a safety net. Because I'm still young, like I'm still playing around and having fun and not exactly being the most wise with my money. But in the future, hopefully I am and I can afford that jump over to going full time. It's definitely crossed my mind just because I do enjoy the aspect of meeting new people and teaching. I've done teaching for accounting and that was great. So I feel like it could translate well, but who knows? I'm not going to close the door just yet, but for currently in this time, I don't think it's a it's something I can really pursue comfortably at least. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. I I'm always thinking about it constantly and I've pretty much come to the conclusion that it's probably not going to happen unless mm. my unless I can convince my wife to <laughs> lower her standards of living. Yeah. <laughs> like, we live in a nice mountain town and we have a pretty okay house and yeah like we we don't have to scrape our pennies together to yep, take yep. a couple of trips a year or something like that so it's that's nice and i know she's like very anxious about money like i remember when we first met which was 14 no six, god 17 years ago like i was making like $15 an hour and she was making like $13 an hour uh-huh. and like we both had car payments and we all we Man, could afford was yeah. like a one bedroom apartment in a bad part of town. Like you're constantly worrying about money. Yeah. And that is just, that wears on you. It really does. Yeah. I can't really say that I felt that before just because of how lucky I've been, but just hearing what my dad went through. Cause he also really had to go through that and it doesn't sound like a great experience. So I understand why people don't want to go full-time too and just keep their career and be like the weekend warrior. But yeah, if like for me, I've been able to find that sweet balance. And yeah, I think it's let me shoot what I want to shoot. I think that's another thing with going professional. I don't know if you'd really have to adhere to shooting what the masses want Mm -hmm. to be shown to them, but I like shooting my little rock textures and shooting strange water abstracts. Like I enjoy that and I wouldn't want to not be able to shoot that because I got to figure out the next banger to post to Instagram now. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's probably two approaches to that, right? Like you can either become a super specialist, like all you are known for is you're the 
water pattern dude you know what i mean yeah. or you need to be someone i guess there's three schools of thought you or you can be someone who can do everything which is yeah like master like jack of all trades master of none which is kind of me and then you have a third which is you're all about the big epic insane yeah. like awesome locations and scenes like that and yeah that's a fairly successful business model that <laughs> last one for sure sure but that one for me does not sound fun at all yeah like in terms it of really being personally doesn't. expressive and sure. wanting to do the types of photography that i would like to do i like i said before i like to do everything so i like i'm yeah. teaching it out of chicago Actually, I think I will literally be out of Chicago when this podcast airs <laughs> or out of Oregon. And and it's going to be fine because we'll probably go to some iconic spots. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, okay, there's the iconic scene, but also check out these patterns in the check sand. This out. Yeah. Check out the light reflecting in the waves and, oh, we can do this with the motion of the water. And there's I that kind of a challenge for me is incredibly fun. Mm -hmm. All you had were people that just wanted, I just want that shot. Like that would get yeah. old to me that would get old yeah that would also make me very sad too just because there's you're mentioning just so much opportunity to shoot i think that's a very limiting way to look at things and i when you were listing off some of those like methods in which you can make it as like a landscape photographer i just kept on thinking compromises and compromises except yeah, right. maybe i don't know maybe if you like shooting those big scenes maybe that's not a compromise but yeah i just personally wouldn't want to take that route for my work but yeah yeah it's been nice. Yeah. Shifting gears again. Sure. Yeah. And a little bit of time on your website. And uh, first of all, I think you should definitely write more. I think you're good at it. I would like to see oh, some man. more writing from you. Yeah. But Thank you. I did see that you had a, a blog post about anxiety and photography. And I was wondering if yep. you could talk a little bit about the relationship between the two as it relates to you and your photography. Yeah, definitely. So this all ties back to dealing with my medical symptoms. But also, I never really knew that I was an anxious person hmm. until <laughs> like I started to my whole career and jumping into that. And I just remember feeling like I couldn't really catch my breath. And and it wasn't even for crazy things. It'd just be coming back home from work, like when I first started my career in a public accounting firm. Just coming back home from like a day of work, I just couldn't catch my breath. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know what this is. And I told my mom about it. And she's like, does this happen to you often? And she pieced it together. And she was like, I think you have anxiety. And I just <laughs> never, I never connected it. Like I never connected the dots together. But yeah, I'm an anxious person. And I never found myself to be an anxious person. But it's been trying to deal with that and trying to find ways to calm that anxious side of me down. Photography, like I mentioned before, has been great, but also just like running and just even meditation, which when I can get on a normal routine works for me. But really, like I said, as long as I'm out shooting and I'm in nature, that anxious side of me completely just goes away, mm -hmm. no longer present. And like I was mentioning earlier, it's definitely cleansing to go out and shoot with the, where the places that I shoot, because when I come back, I don't feel an ounce of anxiety. I always feel calm and I feel like I have a steady hand and I have a, I can think straight <laughs> where beforehand, if I felt like I was darting everywhere, like all these different thoughts would pop into my head. And how about this deadline? And how about this doctor appointment? And uh, did I feed the dog? It just, it was, it feels, and to this day, I still have some of that anxiety, but I'm more aware of it. So I feel like I have a a better grasp of it. 
And if I'm very anxious, like now I know, okay, it's time to to go shoot somewhere or even just go camping. It doesn't have to be about shooting um, because that on its own can be just enough <laughs> yeah. to get me through whatever I'm going through. I have a twist for you. Oh, uh, putting on my psychologist hat here. Sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering, and you can tell me if I'm totally off on this or not, but in my experience, though the style of photography where that's very location dependent, it's very condition uh-huh. dependent. You have to do a lot of planning. There's a lot of logistics involved and you have to make sure the sun is going to set at a certain time of day yeah, yeah. and you have to be there before that happens. And the grand landscape style of photography, there's a uh-huh. lot of planning involved in that typically. And in my experience, that usually comes with a lot of anxiety and a lot of unknowns that you have no control over. But So I'm curious if maybe you have a little bit of self-selection bias in terms of what you're interested in photographing or the style of photography that you've engaged in based on your knowledge of yourself about your anxiety. Huh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. So you're saying because I know I'm an anxious person, I choose to shoot without any pre imposed plans on myself? If you have a very specific photograph in mind, like uh-huh. I'm going to go to this spot at 5.47 p.m. and I have to make sure I bring this lens and I have to sure. drive up this road and I have to make sure that road's not closed. And there's all these things that have to be right in order for you to get that one photo. Uh-huh. That's a lot of pressure. And there's a yes. lot of... You lo- there's a lot of things that you don't have control over that you feel like you have to have control over. But uh-huh. to me, those kind th- those kinds of that style of photography for me caused a lot of anxiety, especially yeah, yeah. when, you know, things would not go right. <laughs> <laughs> so early on, that would definitely be a thing I dealt with. Cause I remember on one of my first trips out to Oregon with my girlfriend who lives with me now, we were ending up at a beach and I wanted it to be perfect. And I wanted the sun to set here. And I wanted to have my tripod here at this point in time. And I was running to the location and she was like, what is wrong with this guy? And I just remember feeling so defeated when it didn't happen. Yeah. And I I have a photo from that whole trip and it's called like frustration and fleeting light. And I think since then, that's why I've really prescribed to going into the landscape, like into the nature and not having an idea of what I'm going to shoot because it feels like I don't have to worry about what I want to shoot. And uh, yeah, I definitely think the way I shoot now is a lot better for my anxious states that I have. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same way, bro. I 2017, I mean, I've talked about it on the show before, but in 2017, yep, yep. I had one of those moments where I rolled up to this very specific scene for sunrise and expecting certain conditions. It didn't happen. And I <laughs> yeah. was just super let down and upset because I felt like I completely wasted my entire morning. And mm-hmm. I just went for a hike and then it just led to this whole new path of self-discovery in photography which has really honestly it was like it rescued me from wanting to quit man yeah i was on that path of like photography is stupid i'm done with this (laughs) yeah i think you've talked about how you were burning out from doing the whole because when you moved out to oregon right yeah and this is when i came back to colorado but yeah Uh, it was i fell into the same traps and yeah and it was just like frustrating and 
it's very frustrating early on. Yeah. I'm so glad I don't shoot in that manner anymore. And I just shoot for what makes me happy because if I was still on that path, I definitely wouldn't be doing landscape photography now. So I was going to say, I used to play guitar and mm. I would play pretty often. But what I found was I wasn't making what I like something of my own. I was just playing the chords and the tabs of other artists. So I never felt like I was really doing something that was entirely me. And so I gave up playing guitar and I had played for 10 years, like from early high school to once I graduated, or I don't know what the math looks like. But yeah, I was playing for a while. And I think that was a pretty big decision for me to cut out something that was a part of my life for a long time. Um, Because I felt like I could actually do things that were more me in photography. That was like one of the big decisions that I really factored into cutting out guitar like entirely from my life. Like I sold the guitar. I was like, all right, guitar be gone. Fuji X-T3, come on in. (laughs) Yeah, that was... What I was going to say is I still do that stuff. Like I have a trip coming up. This mm-hmm. gets released. It'll be in the past. So hopefully that yeah. went well. But I'm, so we're recording this in early August. And so in mid-September, I'm planning a trip where I'm going to backpack really deep into this wilderness area close to my house. And there's a ton of elevation gain. And we're going to be off trail for a really long time up in above tree line. And, but it affords you this line of sight with one of my favorite mountains yep. at sunrise. So you have to be, it's going to be really early in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably a telephoto shot and it's, it could totally not work at all, but yeah. I feel like it's one of those things that I've pre-visualized it. I, it, sure. I think it could work really well, but if it doesn't work out, that's no big deal. You know what I mean? It's still going to be yeah. an awesome experience unless I get struck by lightning or something, but sure. yeah. you know, I think Planning, like the planning side of things, I think some really great photos come out of it, like the whole Joshua Cripps image with yes. the moon and the camel. Yeah. That photo is incredible. And like that would have never been a thing if he didn't plan it out meticulously. So there's definitely some images to be had in that method. And I really respect that because I don't know. I think I'd get really frustrated. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same way, man. I'm the same way. I like to do that stuff, but I can't just do that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. I hear you. All right, man. Wrapping things up, I am curious, who would you recommend our listeners learn more about or who should we have on the podcast? Yeah, sure. So you've already had all of my favorite landscape photographers on the podcast, but I do have some great friends and also like a couple other photographers I like to mention. So the first one I'd like to add is Blake Simpson. He's a Southern California photographer. He's a really good friend of mine, but also I really admire his work. He has really nice coastal scenes and he has different scenes of coastal rocks and in a collection together on his website. So I think he's great. Paulo Valdivia, he goes by Duomatia on Instagram. He always has very thoughtful compositions and really nice quotes that go along with his photography. And his work, I feel, is very subtle. It's very yes. quiet, but it does have a really nice feel to it. I always enjoy whatever he blesses us on the feed with. Another photographer is a, another good friend of mine, Sigfredo Zimmerman. He's another yeah. su- Southern California photographer. He has such a great eye for small scenes, and I really like his work. I think he's doing some great stuff. And he's, he's mm-hmm. a biologist, right? He is. Yes. So he, whenever I do go shoot with him, I always feel like I can ask him anything about the natural world around me because he has an answer for everything. Like it's insane. I feel Um, like that has to make you a better photographer. 
I so sometimes he'll show me things he's shooting and he'll mention like what was really going on within it like on a biological side and it's just so crazy how his mind works because he finds like points where different biomes meet and he photographs Mm. that and it's Mm. just man you're gonna create some great stuff with this knowledge in your mind so I would really recommend him I think he's gonna be a great podcast guest if he ever makes it on. Another photographer is Michael Kenny. He's an Australian photographer who shoots some small scenes. He also has some larger scenes, but I also just like the way he, the subject matter that he shoots. I think he has a photo of these weird colored seaweed on rocks that has stuck in my mind for a long time. It's like bluish with orange tones on it. He's a great photographer. So um, as, a, the last as, one, as the kids say, his photo lives in your head rent-free. <laughs> that is the correct way to say it. And the last photographer is Saikot Chakrabarty. I hope I said his name correctly, but yeah. um, he's a photographer based out of the Adirondacks, I believe. He always has super thoughtful work. And I think he always shoots like in this style where it's all dark across the scene, but maybe one thing will be a lot brighter in luminosity compared to the rest. And it's just really impactful. It feels mm-hmm. like there's a lot, a lot of emotion in his work, but I think he'd be great as well. Yeah. No, I like his stuff too. So those are all great suggestions. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Martin, this has been awesome. Yeah, this was really fun, Matt. I really appreciated this. It was a good discussion all around. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad we could make it happen. Well, thank you to Martin for the wonderful chat and for opening up. If you can, take a moment to look at Martin's photography. It really is awesome and worth taking the time to appreciate fully. I want to thank our newest patrons over on Patreon for supporting the show. That includes Brent Newman and Darren Marshall. You are both awesome for taking the time to go to Patreon and to support the show financially. I know not everyone can do that, but there are other ways that you can help. Even leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify helps a lot. By the way, did you know that at the $10 a month level, you get access to bonus episodes and access to early episodes, which can be set up to stream directly to your Apple podcast feed? It's pretty cool. Thanks to all of you who support the show. You're the best. Next up, we have the third installment of the Artists Asking Artists series with Guy Tao and Alex Noriega, which honestly was an amazing conversation. After that, we have Rich Rudrow, who spent nearly two months hiking the entirety of the Grand Canyon and was part of the awesome National Geographic documentary, Into the Canyon. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.